Hi, and welcome to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features people from all walks of life recalling painful childhood experiences that have impacted the way they view the world as an adult. Today's episode of Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, the publisher of the popular middle grade sideline book series. Sign up at sidelineinkpublishing.com for a chance to win a free audible book of Sideline, a novel about a young entrepreneur who secretly builds a fortune. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and today on Tell Me What Happened, I have as my guest, Miss Julie Beal. Besides being a great personal friend of mine, Julie is the director of the Children and Family Justice Center at the Bloom Legal Clinic, Northwestern University Pritzker of Law. Julie's also the interim dean of clinical education at Northwestern, I think. Is that right, Julie? Yes. Well, Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Julie, I, I really appreciate you coming on to tell me what happened and sharing with us a very painful story from your childhood. I know because we talked before I started taping, today you're going to tell us about the worst thing that ever happened to you when you were growing up. I want you to know I appreciate your willingness to share your story with our listeners. It makes me cry to think about it, but I'm going to try my best to not speak and just listen. Are you ready to tell your story? Yep, I am. So my story begins when I was a 10th grader at New Rochelle Public High School. New Rochelle Public High School begins in 10th grade uh, because New Rochelle is such a huge, I mean, it's not a huge city in comparison to Chicago, but it's a large suburban city and our high school was so large that it began in 10th grade. In 10th grade, when I went there, we had about 1,100 kids in my high school class, in my grade. And I, I think it's relevant to the story that I was a very tiny 10th grader. In fact, I hadn't gotten my period yet, and so I was really a little girl in 10th grade. I was probably, I don't know, 4'10", 4'9", and I was not yet, as they say, a woman. Nonetheless, I went to high school and I was super excited about going to high school and the first high school dance happened and that was very exciting for me to be invited to a dance and a young man in my grade invited me to the dance and I was so excited. It was the first time a boy had ever asked me out and I got all dressed up and uh, he asked me to meet him at the front door of the high school and I thought, okay, great. But when I got to the front door of the high school where all the kids were sort of going into the building to go to the dance, he said, let's take a walk. And I, he was, I did it. I took a walk with him. And then he said, and he handed, he tried to hand me a pill, some kind of drug, I assume. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly take a pill of some kind. I don't even know what it was. But then he said, okay, which was good. And then he took out some beers, and of course, as I said, I was very young, a young, I guess I was probably 14 because my birthday is late in the year and I was a young person in my grade. He offered me a beer and I took it and I drank the one beer. Now, I think because I probably hadn't drank very much in my life at that point and because I was teeny tiny, I think it impacted my consciousness. Nonetheless, I told him, and he wanted to walk, there were woods right by our high school, and he wanted to walk in the woods farther, deeper into the woods, and I said, no, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go back to the dance, because I actually am a dancer, and I love to dance, and I thought it'd be super fun, and I wanted to see all my girlfriends. He said, okay, 
and we, we left the woods, as they were, and we were walking back to the high school, and we got to the perimeter of the high school, which had a perimeter like of trees along the edge of the fields where the, must, at those days, girls didn't really do a lot of sports, unfortunately, but they were the big fields where the boys must have played football and soccer and other sports like that. And we got back to the perimeter, as I said, and we were walking towards the building itself. And we were in the, as we entered the perimeter, he knocked me down on the ground and he raped me. And it was scary and horrible and awful. And as I said, I hadn't even got my period yet. So you can imagine that I was still a virgin. So it was very horrible. And when I realized what was happening to me because of the pain in my body, I screamed at the top of my lungs, no. And it was interesting to me is they talk a lot about how a person's, I think it's endorphins, I think that's the word, gets in your body and you become incredibly strong. And when I screamed no, I took my arms on either side of my body and I pushed him off of me. And I was really impressed actually. And in, in retrospect, as I'm telling you the story, I'm impressed with my physical prowess that I was able to do that. And then I ran like lightning into the building, crying hysterically, and ran into the bathroom, the girl's bathroom. And because I was a virgin, there was blood everywhere. And that was really horrible and frightening and just another injury, psychological injury to myself. My girlfriends came to the bathroom and they were, I have to say, the way girls are at that age, sometimes they're mean, but my girlfriends were unbelievably supportive. I don't think I could have gotten through without them. And I don't remember going to the dance after that. I remember one of my friends saying, let's just go back to her house and I would sleep over there. And that's what happened. I unfortunately, well, there's so many things that are unfortunate about this story, but he was in my, I guess you call it social studies. I think that's what we called it back then. He was in my social studies class. And so I was super scared to go to social studies that next Monday or at, at all. And I guess because I was new in this very large high school, I didn't have a guidance counselor or a teacher yet that I trusted and felt close to. Eventually, obviously I would because I loved high school, but I didn't. And so I didn't really tell my mom or dad because I was scared that it was my fault because I had accepted this date and I had, I had not gone into the building when I knew I should have and I drank the beer. So I, I felt responsible on some level, which made me not tell my mom and dad or anyone except my girlfriends. And the thing that was nice was my girlfriends escorted me around the building for the next couple of weeks and waited for me outside my social studies class in case he was going to try and talk to me because he did try and talk to me. Now, we didn't have cell phones back then. He did. I, I can't remember if he called the house or if he just came up to me, but he was very much like, I want to date you. And I was like, oh my God, I never want to see you again as long as I live. Are you out of your mind? So it was really complicated for me to navigate the, the aftermath of the situation. I don't remember how I thought to do this, if it was my girlfriends or whether I just needed to talk to an adult. But I, what I decided to do is I went back to the junior high school because I'd just been there for three years and I was very close to my honors biology teacher. Maybe I was close to him because it was honors and we had to spend so much time 
passing that class because it was so incredibly hard. But I was very close to him. Unfortunately, right now, I, being 60, I can't remember his name, although I remembered it for a long time because he was so wonderful. And he sat down and spent a long time talking to me about that men were not necessarily like this, that I had to sort of put this behind me and think that men were nice people and I shouldn't be scared of all men. And I also think the virginity issue was really on the top of my mind um, because I wanted to consider myself a virgin because being raped is not how a girl wants to start their sexual And so he and I talked a lot about it and, and he was very helpful to me. So he said to me that I should consider myself a virgin and even though it was magical thinking, it was interesting that it was very important to me and I did consider myself a virgin at that time. It would have, in retrospect, I think that it would have been nice for him to refer me to a counselor. He didn't do that and that's okay. Luckily, when I went to college, they had you know, free student health counseling and I took advantage of it and that counseling was very helpful to me. I also actually went to the YMC Rape Counseling Center when I moved to Chicago and went to law school because I needed, again, to be thinking about it. And I think I went again because that's when I fell in love with the man that I married. And I think that when you're a rape survivor, it comes up at different points in your life. And so I, I've gone to counseling twice for that, both times with social workers um, at college and then again at the YMCA Rape Counseling Center here in Chicago. I think that it's wrong to put people on a registry because they committed an act such as the boy that committed this act on me. Because it didn't, a registry does not keep me or anyone else in society safe. And all it does is make those people's lives more difficult to be a functioning member of society and therefore become better criminals. And if we can have a society where, well, it'd be great if we could prevent men from doing things like this to women, that would be the ideal. Instead of putting money into other things, if we put money into healthy relationships um, and into education and those kinds of things, instead of into cops, we might have a better society where young men and women have better functional relationships. And it's just interesting to me that this is <laughs> such a major part of my career when it actually happened to me. Well, it makes me sick to hear you tell that story. Um, as you know, I have two daughters myself. I've got three sisters, and I understand more than half the world are women. It breaks my heart to think that anyone has to endure what you endured. I do have to ask you, or I would like to ask you just as in closing, how has it affected you personally in your life? Well, besides for the career piece of it, I think personally, the two things that I would say is it took me a long time to trust men. And I don't, I wonder what would have happened if I hadn't met Bruce, my husband, because he's the kindest, sweetest, most caring, gentlest man I've ever met. And I think that was a big reason I fell in love with him, was that he made me feel safe. And I've not really felt safe with men before Bruce. I had, I did have, go on to have lots of relationships in high school and in college. I dated, a, you know, not a lot, but I had, you know, I dated and I had boyfriends in high school and in college. But none of it really felt right to me. Uh, it all felt like I was tentative and not able to really be myself and felt 
guarded. And the first time I ever was in a relationship where I didn't feel that way, where I felt like I could just be me and, and be vulnerable was with Bruce. And I think that if I had, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't met Bruce because I really didn't feel very trusting towards men. And I think the other sort of funny thing about it is that being a small person, as I am, bigger than when I was 15, but not much, I am fearful of tall people. And I know you, Jay, are very tall and we're very close friends, but I feel, often feel intimidated by, by men and women, comes not in color of skin, but in height. And I think that that height in my mind, and especially with men, makes me feel small and scared uh, and not, and I am a very powerful person, but it, I think it makes me feel physically small and vulnerable, which is not a good feeling. Well, thank you, Julie, for sharing that story with us. I, I'm really sorry that it happened to you. And, uh, you know, I love you and I wish, in some ways, I was shorter so that we I feel <laughs> terrible. But um, anyway, I just want to thank you for, for sharing. I also want to thank our listeners for listening to and subscribing to Tell Me What Happened. And I'd like to take a minute here to invite any of you out there who'd like to come on to the show and share your painful childhood memory. Just drop me an email at jcreak at gmail.com. That's J-A-Y-C-R-E-H-A-K at gmail.com. I wish all of the bad things that have happened to people didn't happen, but I honestly believe that there is some value in repeating those stories. I'm going to end the show now, as I always do, with the full version of Susan Salador's classic song, The Boo Boo Blues. And remember, stay safe out there. Try not to hurt anybody. I've had some boo-boos, baby. I've had the boo-boo blues. Yeah, I've had some boo-boos, honey. I've been like you.
Fix it for you.